We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All systems are good. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van what is going on, my friends? Welcome back to another audio adventure here on Insight. I'm Chris Van Vliet. Thank you so much for being with us on this episode and for a lot of you on every single episode. Although if it does happen to be your first time here, take your coat off. Stay a while. Also, make sure to hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this right now. What a fascinating and inspiring conversation today with Joe DeSena. He's a best-selling author. He's also the founder of Spartan Race, those incredible obstacle races that I'm sure you've seen online. And you'll hear during this interview, he actually talks me into committing to do a Spartan Race when they're here in the Los Angeles area. I've always wanted to do one, and now we're making it happen. I committed. I said, we're doing it. You'll hear more about it during this interview. But he said, I can do the race for free, and you can do the race for free. So come join me. Here's the deal. It is January 30th in San Bernardino, California. Email joe at joe at spartan.com. Email me, cvv at chrisfanvliet.com. And you're in for free. That's it. I mean, we'll mention it more towards the end of this interview, but yeah, commit to do it with me. There's a, there, And this is also a big part of this interview. It's important to put out your goals out into the world so that other people can keep you accountable for them. But January 30th, Spartan Race, we're making this happen. And I feel like after this conversation, you're going to want to do this even if you don't live in Southern California. Fly in. Make it, let's make it happen. You can find Joe on social media at Joe DeSena. You can find Spartan Race at Spartan Race. And you can find me, Chris Van Vliet, at Chris Van Vliet. Big shout out to our fan of the week, Copulent Lace, who says, it's so effortless. I love the conversation style and the relationship that Chris brings. I feel like I'm genuinely part of the conversation with purpose. I have to say, this is one of my favorite podcasts. Well, thank you so much for that. And thank you for taking the time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read one out on every single episode. So if you want a little shout out here, just leave a review. Or if you've already left a review, go back in right now, add a word or two, add your name so I can shout you out. And then it will show up as a fresh and new review and we will see it. So let's make it happen. All right, get ready for it. Also, get ready for the Spartan race that we'll be doing together on January 30th in San Bernardino. Joe's new book is called 10 Rules of Resistance, Mental Toughness for Families. It is out now. Please welcome 
Joe DeSena. Joe, thank you so much for making this happen. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I try to get people to talk to me. Nobody wants to talk to me, so it was nice that you were willing to do this. That is completely untrue. It, you're you're a very difficult man to track down. Was it hard to get me? It wasn't hard to get you, but it's hard to pin you down because you know you, you've got your finger in a lot of pies. You're doing a lot of different things. It is it, it is funny. Like I, Susan um, is the gatekeeper for me, and it would be so much easier, I think, every day for her and for me if I just handled my own calendar. But if I handled my own calendar, what I tend to do because I'm a maniac is I triple book myself. So I like I've got a podcast going with you. I could take a quick phone call before, and it just go. It goes nuts. So Susan really um, protects me. I, I feel like most people will know you for creating the Spartan games. But if you go way back here, your story is like a your story is like a movie. Like your story is it's insane. It is a, it is a crazy story. It, by the way, guys, if you're listening or watching, <laughs> my email makes noise, as most people's do. It pings and I can't figure out how to get it to stop. Dr. Laura, who co-wrote the book we're going to talk about, 10 Rules for Resilience, who's supposedly a genius. She's a psychologist. She went to school, the whole thing. She just came in before the podcast started and said, oh, I know how to turn the pinging off. I'll just click this button just right click here. This button. She goes, thank you. And she strutted out of my office only <laughs> to the point where we just heard another ping. Well, that's, so, this is how popular you are, Joe. Yeah. So I would question everything in the book. <laughs> we don't even know if she has a real degree at this point. I certainly not a degree in turning off email notifications. Oh. I don't know if any, but they don't teach that in school. Come on. They don't teach that in, in psych 101. So, so um, it, it's a crazy story. You know, I grew up in Queens, New York, ground zero uh, for Goodfellas. If you saw the movie Goodfellas, I, you hear the beeps? That's coming from somewhere else, though. It was much louder before. It was louder before. She turned yeah. one of them off. But I grew up there, and um, if you saw the movie Goodfellas, all organized crime, grew up across the street from the Varios, which which the story was based on. And um, I wanted to be a tough guy. You know, you grow up in that neighborhood, and everybody around you that has money and nice cars, they're tough guys. And they probably went to jail, because if you go to jail, that was like earning your stripes. That was like going to college. So you start thinking at a very young age, eight or nine years old, like, could I do it? Mm. Oh, man, I got to go to jail. Like, you know what I mean? It'd be like if you grew up in a neighborhood in Cambridge, let's say, and everybody's going to Harvard or they're like, am I smart enough? It was yeah. just, it's the same exact thing. So but my mother, thank God, my mother goes into a health food store in the 1970s. And she, she meets a, a yogi from India who just came in, uh, you know, JFK airport just landed. And um, he convinces her that she should stop eating raviolis and cannolis and um, sausage and peppers and, and maybe become a vegan. So she leaves the health food store and she, that's it. She's a vegan. She's going to meditate. She's going to teach yoga. And um, not long you know, thereafter, my parents get divorced because like she's bohemian at this point. Nobody even understands what she's talking about, including my sister and I. And um, she moves us to Ithaca, New York, much more forgiving place, much more open minded, very hippie ish. Um, and I go back and forth between the neighborhood and seeing, you know, living with my mom. And I really want to be a tough guy. I want to go back to the neighborhood. I want to make money. I don't yeah. I don't feel like eating branch sandwiches up in, you know, Ithaca. And um, 
somehow I end up I end up going to college, which was not even part of my plan. No one no one guided my sister and I on colleges, not even my mother. But in Ithaca's Cornell University and, and Ithaca University, and somehow I weaseled my way into Cornell. And um, when I graduated, um, my friend convinced me to go to Wall Street. But by that time, I, I had a business in Queens. I, I had built a uh, pool cleaning business and my customers were all the bosses of all the five families and then all the, the levels below the bosses. I had 700 customers, mostly all organized crime or business owners. And, um, and my friend was pushing me, hey, you're graduating Cornell, go to, go to Wall Street. And I was like, I'm making 250 grand a year at this point with my pool business. And yeah. I feel like a tough guy. They're all my customers. I, got, I own my own Bobcat and I own my own trucks and I own my own bulldozers and backhoes. And um, I'm feeling pretty good. Why would I go to Wall Street? Anyway, he convinces me. I sell my business to my employees. It still exists today. They've made millions of dollars, which is awesome to see. I just brought my daughter there to see that business two weeks ago. And on the way to it, Number one, I said, I'm going to take you for the best sandwich you ever had in your life. She said, come on, dad. I said, I'm telling you, best sandwich you ever had in your life. We're going to get mozzarella and roasted peppers on an Italian hero. I couldn't eat it because I'm gluten free now. I turned into my mother and um, she ate the She was like, dad, this is the best sandwich I ever had in my life. I said, I told you. And then I said, come on, I'm going to show you my business. And she said, is that still a thing? I go, is that what 12 year olds say these days? Like, is that still a thing? Yeah, it's still a thing. And um, she saw the business, which was cool. Anyway, fast forward, I ended up going to Wall Street, I ended up selling the business and um, ended up building a pretty big, you know, pretty sizable business on Wall Street, um, trading equities, derivatives, bonds. Um, wasn't feeling very healthy on Wall Street, very stressed out. And I, um, I went back to what my mother said. I said, maybe I should do some yoga. Hmm. Um, maybe I should eat some plants and um, started running up and down the stairs in our building for exercise every day. Somehow stumbled upon this thing called adventure racing in the mid nineties and started doing crazy races around the world. The crazier the race, the more interested I was. I, I went, um, I went across Alaska. I did the Iditarod by foot. I did. I can't even tell you how many Ironmans. I did how many ultra marathons I did marathon and it, it, there was a race and it was challenging and it was, there was a chance I could die. I was interested. And, um, and I had so much fun that by the late nineties, early two thousands, I said, you know, I'd love to do this for a business. I'd love to get out of wall street and I'd love to like get people out of their comfort zone and doing stuff that's extremely healthy. Yeah. Because I watched my mom transform people, including me. And all this stuff was transforming folks around me. So I started it and um, I couldn't get anybody to come. I mean, who would want to run a 350 mile race? Like nobody wanted to do it. I couldn't yeah, get that's any. insane. It was insane. I, my marketing was wrong. My product was wrong. And, um, and I'd lie to people. I would say like, if I was trying to get you back in 2000 to do one of the races, I would say, hey, come up to our farm in Vermont. I bought a farm in Vermont. I said, come up to our farm in Vermont. We're gonna have a barbecue weekend. And I'd wake you up at 5 a.m. on Saturday morning and you say, Joe, why are we getting up at 5 a.m. for a barbecue? I said, well, we got to carry the barbecue up the mountain. Oh my God. And, and I would just crush people by lying to them. And, and then 
And then afterwards they say, oh my God, that was, that was crazy, but that was fun. Mm. We had a lot of fun doing it and I turned it into a business and eventually that business became Spartan. And now we're in, well, pre-COVID, 45 countries, you know, one and a half million people a year, um, 325 events. We bought out our competitor who was a very formidable competitor, Tough Mudder. Um, I was fighting with them every single day. And, um, and now I've been working on a television show, crazy enough. I, we landed a television show on CNBC and I've been running around the world for the last uh, 25 days filming. And we do it for businesses. We, uh, we go in and see companies and beat the shit out of them. What's crazy is you've built all of this yourself. And I think there's this moment. Well, it's never life. by yourself. There's always. Sure. But a lot of this was like your brainchild of figuring out, like, how can we do this? I think there's those moments in our life where you're like a crossroads where like life could go one way or life could go another way. So when you're working in the organized crime business or you're working with those people, did you have a, a moment where you could have gone down that path? Oh, I, that's the path I wanted to go down desperately because those guys, they had everything in my mind. And little Vic, Vic Amuso, uh, you guys could look him up, A-M-U-S-O. We became friends and um, he used to clean his pool and he was just a great guy and he went to the gym every day. His wife was like, looked like a movie star. His house was unbelievable. And he was the big boss of the Lucchese crime family. And, and um, we became friends. I, I became friends with all the guys, but, but him in particular, because we had that, we shared the, the desire to be fit. So we had those conversations. I was still exercising like crazy. I was doing all this construction work and cleaning swimming pools. And, and uh, I remember saying to his wife once, you know, I, I'd like to get in the garbage business. I like, which was like really a signal that I wanted to, you know, I wanted to go deeper. I wanted to like, I wanted to, the business I was doing was, was too clean. <laughs> I yeah. wanted to, and she turned to me and she said, that business is not for you. And for some reason, you know, my dad could have said it and he did. My mom could have said it and she did. My friends could have said it, my uncle. But when she said it, it was like, okay, I guess that's not my direction. Mm. So wow. I don't know why, but when she said it, it really hit home. And, um, and she said, I tell you what I'm going to do. She said, um, up on Cross Bay Boulevard, which was in the neighborhood where I was, Howard Beach, Queens, there's a piece of land that um, we own and you could use that piece of land to build, you know, your business expand and set up a storefront. And so she gave me that piece of land and, um, and we, we, ended up, we ended up building a business and that became my path, which then led to Wall Street. So, you know, she really saved, she saved me. I mean, listen, like I said, everybody told me to, to go on the straight and narrow. Um, but for whatever reason, when she said it, it, it stuck. Hmm. I love that like fitness is like a theme throughout this whole thing. I always tell people like, that's the fountain of youth. Like working out is the fountain of youth. And yeah. it's amazing to me that people don't find time for this. It's, um, it's kind of like you got to brush your teeth. You got to take a shower. I got, you got to sweat every day. Every yeah. day you got to sweat. So, um, We've been on the planet for a million years as a species. And, you know, we used to at least have to go pick our own fruit off a friggin' tree, if not kill an animal, if, if we happen to not be vegan, you know, 400,000 years ago, wherever yeah. we lived. Um, we walked a lot. Um, we probably got wet in the rain. We were outside. We weren't distracted with devices. Like, um, there's a reason our species has survived and thrived. And, 
I think we need to get back. We definitely need to get back to some of that. So for someone who's never done a Spartan race is like, first of all, what do you say to someone that's like on the fence about it, thinking about doing it? Well, the people that are on the fence say a few things. One thing they say is um, I'm going to get in shape first. And my answer is actually you have it all wrong. You're not going to get in shape first because if you were going to get in shape first, you'd already be in shape. Mm. So you're not going to do it. Most people don't do it. Look at obesity rates. Look at diabetic rates. We are, we are at our core motivated by the avoidance of discomfort. The number one thing that, that, that motivates our species is to avoid discomfort. Wake up in the morning and tell yourself you're going to work out. Subconsciously, your brain says, oh, let me go grab a cup of coffee. Let me read the newspaper. Let me do this. Let me check my phone. Your brain is trying to avoid the workout because it's hard. Um, same thing when you have to study for an exam. Same thing when you, what, you go down the list of anything hard, your brain is wired to avoid discomfort. So given that that's true, um, you're not going to do it. You're not gonna get in shape. The paradox, the funny thing is, when you sign up for the race, or you sign up for the class, or you sign up to get married, whatever it may be, when you sign up for that hard thing, then you do the work because it's more uncomfortable to not do the work. In other words, if you're signed up for December 25th to do a Spartan race and you know it's coming and you told your friends you're gonna do it, guess what? You're gonna start going to bed early. You're gonna start waking up early. You're gonna put down the glass of wine. You're gonna not eat the cookie. So to get in shape, you sign up first. You don't wait to sign up. It just doesn't work that way. And people don't get it. The other thing people will say is, I don't understand. Why would I crawl under barbed wire? Why would I do that? Why don't I, like, I have a perfectly good couch. I mean, people legitimately say that, that to me all, all over the world. And my answer is, listen, if we were living in, you know, Delhi, India, and, and we had a really tough life or living in Siberia, I would say, yes, the couch and Netflix makes sense. Life is pretty hard. But in our first world where everything is easy, everything's at our fingertips, and we're so friggin' complacent, um, the science and biology shows you actually need the barbed wire. You actually need the cold water. You need the stuff that Spartan and Tough Mudder and all that, because in order to stay alive, in order to call all your cells in your body to attention, you have to do something hard. You have to. And if you don't believe me, go get a pet dog today, if you don't have a dog or a cat, and just have your dog or your cat stay on the couch for like four days straight and watch what happens. The dog is gonna go nuts. The cat is gonna rip your curtains off the wall, bite everything, like animals need to get outside and move. Otherwise we lose our mind. So this is like, this is actually tough. For people who have never done this, this is actually tough. This is not simulated difficulty. This is actually difficult. No, this is, this is hard. This yeah. is hard, but it has to be hard because if it's not hard, it doesn't transform you. Mm -hmm. You know, they say, if you want to turn iron into steel, you got to heat it, you got to pound it, and you have to drown it. And so um, that's what we do to people. <laughs> you eat them up, you pound them, and you drown them? That's it. <laughs> that's what we do. What's the biggest transformation that most people have when they finish, when they go oh through that Oh my God. Line? I mean, again, 10 million people have done these races now. And well, there must I, be something that's in common though. 
I don't drink anymore. I don't smoke anymore. I don't do drugs anymore. I'm back with my husband. I'm back with my wife. I met a new girlfriend. I started a new business. I got a new job. Go down the list. It becomes a fulcrum for change. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What do you say to people that like, like, I feel like this for some people is like running that marathon. Like I did the Spartan race at one point in my life. I ran a marathon at one point in my life. How do you kind of go from like doing just one to making this a part of your life every day? Well, or every I, week? I, I created something called the trifecta. And I did that because um, we as a species, we are one and done. We don't want to go back to uncomfortable. But if you do three of them in a year, which I gamified, most people are hooked. It becomes that drug that you're chasing. And then I run into you somewhere in the world and you're like, I've done 87 Spartan rate. I mean, I hear it all the time. I got the tattoo and you know, it's not about the revenue that that generates for us because it's not a lot. We don't, we don't actually charge enough for these damn races to make it work, you know, to be a thri thriving business. But what it does is it keeps you really healthy. Hmm. Because if you owe, and that's what I did when I raced, I always had a date on the calendar. Next month, I'm doing another race. Next month, I'm doing another race. Next week, because if I did that, I just lived for fitness and health. I, I had to, I had no choice. I got another race coming. Yeah. You know? And it, be and it becomes part of people's identity. Like, how important is that, is having that as their identity? Well, listen, I mean, some people go to church, some people identify with the place they work for, some people identify with the neighborhood they live in. Um, this is a really healthy community, 10 million strong, that'll do anything for you, um, that are really good, that in the middle of a race will stop and, and lend, lend you a hand. And so um, to, to be able to define yourself as a Spartan uh, versus a hell's angel is uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> if it's transformed all of these people's lives and they've learned so much from this, what have you learned through this whole process? I learned people are better than we give them credit for. Like their people are just generally good. I learned that um, 
that we need this. I, I, you know, when I started it, I needed it, but I didn't realize the whole world needed it. I mean, the, it's actually gone so far the other way with the devices and the shitty food and everything else that um, the government should really give me funding to, to do this as a public service. Like, like we need it. And, and I've lived all over the world building this business. And, you know, the U.S. is exporting obesity and we're exporting fast food and, and all this stuff. And so like the whole world now needs this, this mindset, this hard stuff that we do. I, I, I didn't anticipate that 20 years ago. I thought it would be a tiny little segment, maybe 50,000 people globally that would want to do something like this. Um, what else did I learn? I can't even tell you how many people meet their husband, their future husbands or wives um, on course. And, and so it's I didn't better than a dating app. Better than a dating app. I didn't realize that that would happen. Um, and I certainly didn't realize that I'd be writing, you know, books and TV shows and all and all this stuff. That wasn't part of the plan. I just, <laughs> I'm ready for the couch, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you need to do the opposite. We need to like create like the couch games for you. I know. Well, the new book's called 10 Rules for Resilience. And what was the idea behind this? Is it that people need more resilience right now? People need more resilience. Um, parent, it's really a parenting book, a family book that um, I got the wake up call three years ago. My, my kids were um, being asked by me to carry kettlebells through the neighborhood. I used to make them carry rocks and all kinds of stuff. And um, just for exercise early in the morning, sometimes in their pajamas. And some lady pulled over and started screaming at them. And do you know him, kids? Are you OK? Why are you carrying that stuff? And I was like, man, they're my kids. And. I didn't want to get in a fight, but then it occurred to me, you know, she hasn't seen kids walk on a sidewalk outside in 15 years. Kids don't go outside anymore, right? She hasn't seen kids carry kettlebells ever. So can't really blame her for being confused. And I thought, really got to write a book on how we as parents have to get our kids way outside our, their comfort zone. We got to get them failing more. We got to stop overparenting and protecting them. And there's just some ancient principles, ancient rules that parents need to follow for their families. Otherwise, you end up with kids that are, you know, obese, depressed, um, not confident. That was the impetus for the book. How much did having kids change you as a person? Changed me significantly. I mean, um, you're now responsible to those four creatures. And um, your, your day, your life, everything I do is centered around how to make them better. There was an ancient saying in Sparta um, to be better than us. We had to make the kids better than us. And so um, my brain all day long is how do I make them better than me? Yeah, Easy better than me. Better than my wife is hard. I'm not a parent right now and I'm sure I will be one day, but Joe, the idea of it absolutely terrifies me. Yeah, well, um, come to a Spartan race. And then uh, parenting's easy. <laughs> what do you mean? Spartan, Spartan's tough. Parenting is um, you have the kids. As long as you make tough decisions, um, when you have the choice to, to make it easy or hard for them, as long as you do hard and you're not worried about what the neighbors think, you're not worried about what the kids think, you're not, it's not a popularity contest. As long as you could do that, um, they figure it out. They go make their own sandwiches in the, in, the, in the kitchen, right? Like it's not that, we probably make it harder than it is 
because we're trying to win a popularity contest. We want them to love us. We want our neighbors to think we're the best parents ever. And because of that, we make it so hard. But um, again, we've been parenting for one million, one million years on the planet. And, um, you know, you hand the kid a pitchfork, you tell him to, or her to go outside and till the, the earth and plant some seeds and, and uh, do their chores and get to school. Um, they'll do it. It just becomes really complicated when you don't do that. When you give them everything they want, you overparent them. Well, I think, and again, I'm not a parent. I think what's difficult is you want your kids to have a great life. You want them to have all of these great things. How do you step back and go, yeah, you'll figure this one out on your own? It's hard. Your instinct is um, to protect the kid and keep him in the nest or yeah. her. And um, you're actually doing the kid a disservice because you're raising an adult. You're not raising a kid. Mm. And when you realize that, um, you've got to prepare them for all the things that come along with adults. Mm. What's your morning look like? What's your morning routine? My morning, I, I skipped this morning and I'm embarrassed to say, but um, my morning <laughs> I won't tell routine, anyone. Don't tell anyone. My, my yeah. morning routine at home, when I'm home, I'm usually on the road, is um, I, get on a, I get on a bike lately. I've been getting on a bike for 10 minutes, get warmed up, get sweating. Um, and then I got this rope pulley, which you could kind of see right here. Oh, yeah. See that? I got this yeah. rope pulley I'll do for 30 minutes. Then I've been running um, running on a treadmill, one-minute intervals, and then doing burpees and pull-ups. Then I go in a sauna, and I get it up to like 150, 160 degrees, and I do a workout in the sauna. So I'm, I'm all in about 90 minutes, and uh, then an ice-cold shower. Then uh, somewhere in there, I woke the kids up, and they got to get their workout done. And then I won't eat till 9 a.m., and then I'm in the office, but it's hard these days to get people in the office because everybody wants to work from home. Um, so I'm in the office like with five. I'm in an office that fits 100 people. I got five people here. So is coffee a thing for you? I don't really like coffee. I don't like the taste. But in the last. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I don't like the taste. But in the last two years, I find myself wanting to have one in my hand because that's what other people do. But but I don't I don't like it. Mm. I think there's a lot of people that want to have a morning routine like the one you described, maybe like 10% of it, maybe like I'll just walk on a treadmill for 10 minutes and they don't probably because the bed is so comfortable, probably because the couch is so comfortable. How do they start to get into that routine? You know, you got to make a commitment to yourself and then you got to, you got to shout it from the rooftop to everybody, you know, so that you'd be a fraud if you don't do it. You got to have a date on the calendar and, um, you know, we talk about 21 days makes a routine, but, you know, it's probably more like 90 days and you'll feel better. You got to pat yourself on the back for doing it. You got to keep the streak going and celebrate that streak to everybody, you know, and and just keep saying, creating a narrative that is um, this is what I do every day. So yeah. I'm on a podcast. I'm telling you, that's what I do. I have to do it. Yeah, you'll you'll hold me accountable. I, I love that idea of being held accountable. Like if someone's yeah. like, I want to lose, I always say vague goals get vague results. So yeah. specific goals get specific results. If someone says, I want to lose 15 pounds before the end of the year, and then they're posting Instagram stories about their pizza and their donuts, I think you can hold them accountable. Exactly. Same page. Right. Joe, it's been so great catching up with you. Thank you so much for making this happen. Thanks for, um, thanks for having me. Um, no one likes to talk to me, so I was glad that you were willing to. And uh, <laughs> I'll see you 
When am I going to see you? Where are well, you? Well, you tell me. When's the next Spartan race? I'm in California. When's the next Spartan race here? Um, it's coming up, and I want your commitment that you and a whole crew, no cost, it's on me, um, are going to come out and do one. You got to do your your verbal commitment right now in public. I'm doing it. I'm serious. I'm okay. I'm in. All right. You round up a bunch of people, have them uh, send you a note or whatever. You send me an email. Feel free to share, share my email, joe at spartan.com. Uh, if you write me an email, one sentence only, and um, and I'm going to hook all you guys up. And then and then I want I want to do a, a post-race podcast with you, and I want your feedback I, and honest feedback. If you're like, Joe, that was the dumbest thing ever. I can't believe I did that. I don't believe people pay to do this. Or, or it changed. Like, whatever it is, I want to hear it. Yeah. Okay. Well, everyone should CC me on that email, cvv at chrisfanvliet.com. And yeah, let's get a crew together and we'll make this happen. Or email you and CC me or whatever, but you put the sure. list together. It could be 200 people. I don't care. It's on me. Um, and, and I want everybody's feedback. Um, and then as far as the book goes, if you can get the book, um, that would be cool. And if you don't want to buy the book, at least get two cinder blocks and carry them around the neighborhood. <laughs> And Joe's being serious here. I'm dead serious. 10 rules for resilience. And Joe, I end every interview with the same question. I, I love gratitude. I start and end every day saying out loud three things I'm grateful for. You see it behind me. Be great. Be grateful. What are three things in your life that you're grateful for? I'm grateful uh, my family. Everybody's healthy, right? I'm grateful that I get to do this. I got to pinch myself. I Two weeks, three weeks ago, I'm in Abu Dhabi on a camel in the desert. I'm, uh, I'm filming a TV show. I'm, I'm doing interviews on this friggin' book. So I got to pinch myself that I get to do this. And I love it that you get to do it. Not that you have to do it. That no, you get I, get, to do I it. get to do this. And then um, I guess I'm grateful that I'm, I'm healthy. I'm, I'm alive. Um, yeah. Because my dad's dead. My mom's dead. A lot of people I know are dead or or in jail from years ago, right? I know people 25, 30 year jail sentences. So like, how could you not be happy and grateful? Yeah. I am so excited for my Spartan race. Yeah. Careful what you wish for. I'm going to make yours a little harder. Oh no. <laughs> I do love the idea of being accountable. So thank you for putting that out there. This is happening. This is happening. You're on the hook. Joe, thank you so much. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you. There we go, my friends. I've been thinking about doing a Spartan race for years, and now I'm doing it. It's so important to put stuff out into the world and hold yourself accountable for it. So January 30th, join me for free, just like Joe said, San Bernardino, California. Shoot Joe an email at joe at spartan.com. That's joe, J-O-E, at spartan.com. CC me, CVV at chrisvanvliet.com, and we're doing this thing. It's going to be difficult, it's going to be challenging, and it's going to be awesome. And I asked Joe, what kind of training do I need to do for this? Because I've never trained for a Spartan race before. He says six times a week, you need to run two miles a day, 30 burpees, 30 pull-ups. That seems pretty simple. Like, that doesn't seem like a lot. So let's do this thing. January 30th, San Bernardino. We're going to be Spartan racing together. Snap a screenshot, tag us on social media. Let us know you're committed to doing this race with us. Tag Joe. He's at Joe DeSena. Spartan race is at Spartan race. And I am at 
Chris Van Vliet. And I'll leave you with this from Frida Pepper. It seems so fitting since we're going to be doing the Spartan race together. The quote is, it is much more exciting to do hard things. Anyone can do easy things. Mm. January 30th. Be great. Be grateful. We'll see you on the next one for some more insight. Woo! Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.